Welcome to Politics in the North, where a couple of recovering policy wonks get together to discuss politics. Hello, welcome to Politics in the North, Volume 2. Uh, so in the room today we have Chris. And Alex. And Pratik. And we're here today to talk about uh, the Canadian election. Yeah, it's good to finally be back. When was the last one of these we did? I guess it was uh, pretty early on in the campaign, wasn't it? September. September. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, clearly a lot's changed. Yeah, so. we've uh, the last time I think we focused on climate policies um, of the different parties, and now it's about really just a postmortem of how this election turned out. And it's also going to be interesting to see how those climate policies will come into the picture now that we have a minority government scenario. Well, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be huge. And it turned out that those issues for the first time probably ever ended up being a, a real decider of votes for a lot of people. Surprisingly, yeah. Yeah. Because like Stephen Dion has been beating the drum since two thousand and eight. Not very well. Not granted. very well, yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, yeah. If you look consistently, it was one of the top deciding factors for many voters. Yeah. Well, the issue is also vastly different than it was then in terms of sure. climate change now being decidedly upon us uh, in a way that yeah. it wasn't necessarily in a way. And uh, yeah, no, clearly, clearly that did swing a lot of votes. So yeah. Greens have three seats. The NDP managed to lose half theirs, but still eke out 20 and beat some of the worst expectations. And yeah. Um, Together with the Bloc, who are quite um, in line winners. with a lot of yeah. them on, on, on climate-related issues, yeah. there's a fairly clear um, progressive to- uh, tendency in the new parliament on the environment. So yeah. it'll Bloc, be very interesting Bloc to watch. is a big winner this time. The Oof, Bloc is a very biggest, big winner. The biggest. Yes, by, by and large. And you have a regional party that is now going to be the third largest party. The um, CPC should be sending the Bloc. Christmas cards this year. Pretty much. Thanking them for the fact that we are not having a liberal majority again. That's the for only sure. reason why it wasn't a majority. Yeah. I don't know. Have you guys are you guys familiar with how exactly the liberals managed to um no one at the beginning of the election was talking about the threat posed no. by the bloc in Quebec. No. No one no. for the past few years has been. They've been the, the bloc's been busy busy uh, beating each other up kind of and uh, having leadership fights. But what was it, um, do you think, that managed to convert so many in Quebec to to the bloc? I think it's good to distinguish the difference between the sovereigntist movement and a new resurgent Quebec nationalism. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, in the provincial election in Quebec, you had the CAQ come to power on a distinctly Quebec nationalist platform. Yeah. um, As an alternative to the the typical PQ Quebec sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And the bloc, although they they still are fervent in terms of of their separatist identity... I haven't talked about it much. Exactly. It wasn't very smart. Well, and and the the previous leader, too, uh, whose name I'm forgetting right now. What's her name? Anyway, she, um, she had... Part of the reason the party basically kicked her out is that she had been arguing for a much harder line on uh, Quebec <coughs> sovereignty versus um, just advocating Quebec's uh, issues in Parliament. Sure. But um, it, it's hard to see what gives, though, because the Liberals, again, they're not perfect on environmental issues based on what the Quebec consensus might hold, but still, they basically caved on Energy East. Um, they were ready to, to help SNC-Lavalin in a big way, which played well there. Like, what was what was the issue in which Quebec was not well represented by the current government? I don't, it's, it's hard to say from the outside, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know whether it was anything that was missing on the... Li- I, I mean, 
there are stories as I was saying earlier that the Liberals just fail to focus on Quebec as as a contention point. Like they they never really campaigned hard there to begin with mm-hmm. till the very end of the election cycle. But the other thing to be said is that the bloc ran a very good campaign by and large. They had a very uh, very smart leader, very good speaker who mm-hmm. was also talking more about policy issues rather than secessionist tendencies. Yeah. Um, and that seemed to resonate with the ground population, like the population on ground zero. And the liberals were not prepared for that kind of a fight going into this election from the bloc. They focused too much on the conservatives. Yeah. Um, and and credit where credit is due, 905 was theirs, but they lost bloc. Yeah. They lost it's a chunk of the bloc. Interesting what you say about the way he... Uh, presented himself in um, in in debates too, yeah. and even in the English language debate. I mean, oh, he, he, he was clearly the one who right. was most on top of his files, yeah. Yeah. talked most clearly about policy, sort of avoided the garbage spin that all uh, the political yeah. consultants like to tell them they should put on everything because it focus groups well or something. Who knows? Um, but no, he he clearly knows his stuff, and that came across. Um, yeah. So hopefully, that's another signal to politicians going forward that if you want to do well in these debates, don't talk like you just came out of a focus group. <laughs> know your yeah. files, know the background information, and just uh, you know be open about what your platform says. Granted, it's easier when your sole job is to stand up for the interests of one, one province for sure. within federation, and you will never hold government. How so. much of a factor do you think? Bill 21 was behind the scenes. Because Honestly, like it, of, yeah, it's so hard to say. Uh, it's it, none yeah. of none of the parties really took a lead on it, and that, that's something certainly within within um, English Canada, which has played poorly yeah. um, since. The fact that no one was really really willing to step up and say, you know, this is this is not the kind of legislation we see in Canada. This is not yeah. something why we we want we want to stand for. It's sort of oh, we'll we'll deal with it after the election. Um, I don't know. Um, I think let's, for for our listeners, I think let's take a step back and really delve deep into what Bill 21 is and then we can discuss the distinction between the Liberals and the Bloc on this run because Trudeau was very clear uh, about not supporting Bill 21. Yeah. Uh, so um, amongst the very few things that I've seen him categorically say no to um, and something that I think he could have done a better job of from wanting to win this election in bloc uh, was saying no to Bill 21. Had he gone on and approached the whole secularism uh, agenda from the point of view that, you know, it's a provincial matter and we will refrain to speak on this issue, mm-hmm. he might have had the block, but then again, you could have... He would have gotten skewered uh, in yes, the rest of Canada. In the rest yeah. of... And so it, it's, it's a difficult one at that. But Alex, why don't you tell us a little bit about what... what Bill 21 really is and like what well I'm, I'm not sure actually the extent to which I can talk about the specifics right. of it I mean I'm familiar baseline with um, with it being a bill targeted toward uh, secularism and preventing people Pretty in much. government jobs from wearing religious symbols I right. mean essentially the people who are going to be impacted by it are Muslim women and uh, and Sikh men to a lesser extent because there are fewer of them in Quebec but it's um, still it, it doesn't actually promote secularism, arguably. Sure. It more just uh, kind of makes it much harder for 
um, people who are even baseline religious within those communities to hold government jobs, which isn't something you would see in the rest of the country, certainly. I think that's um, pretty much the jump off Bill 21. It's that yeah. if you are either... If you're a, a nurse, public, a yeah. teacher, a yeah. public servant, anything. anything. Yeah. Yeah. You, can't, you, so. can't be, you can't be open about your religious affiliation yeah. based on what you wear. Yeah. But or, or, it, regardless. So yeah. in terms of how the bloc did, I mean, they, they clearly were the party which was right. saying to the rest of Canada, leave, this is Quebec jurisdiction, leave Quebec. It's not even necessarily that they um, explicitly came out and supported the bill, although it's pretty clear they do support it. They just said, this is Quebec jurisdiction. You guys don't have any business discussing yeah. this. Um, and that probably played well for them. But I, I also kind of wonder what you guys maybe think of the idea that this block result isn't so much surprising as it is a return to form um, because they really were the dominant party there from 93 um, all the way up till 2011 and then they suffered two cycles where they weren't um, the only time um, the liberals had won a, Justin, Trudeau, Justin Trudeau's election in 2015 was the first time since his father was running for office that the liberals had won a majority of seats in Quebec so, I don't know, do you think this is just a return to form? Likely. Like, yeah. Again, it really depends in terms of how hard of a line they want to push the sovereignist position. And from what they campaigned on, it seems to be this is the new norm of more Quebec autonomy, standing up for Quebec interests, things that play well to to the base in Quebec. Yeah. They, they don't, again, like you had mentioned before, they don't have the burden of, of running a country. Or introducing bills. No. <laughs> so so they, they have an amazing situation, so to speak, yeah. in terms of being able to run candidates and all. 75 concentrate their efforts there and get seats where, where they need it. Yeah. Um, well, now we have uh, talk of regional differences in Western Canada in a very serious way for probably the biggest way since 93, 97, uh, since the old days of the Reform Party. So that's also going to be very interesting to watch because if you're not only losing all your seats in Quebec and Saskatchewan, but getting clobbered with the Conservatives winning 70% of the vote in those provinces, I mean, that, and that, let's face it, that's how, that's how the Conservatives won the popular vote nationally. They ran up those margins in Alberta and Saskatchewan. I mean, what, what do you do about that? Because that's a pretty strong, like, unprecedented almost rejection uh, of the national government by that region it's a very it's a very very divided uh, mandate this time yeah. <laughs> where where you've managed to secure I, I mean it it is a liberal versus conservative divide if you come to think about it in terms of where they won their seats I mean they correct me if I'm wrong but they've still done fairly alright in in um, in eastern Canada uh, they've they've managed to do all right in the Maritimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and they've taken nine oh five pretty much, but they've been decimated out in in like you said Saskatchewan. Anything west of Manitoba. So basically, yeah. we're right back to another norm from nineteen ninety three <laughs> and nineteen ninety seven two thousand. I mean, it's it's kind of where we were a couple decades ago, with the exception that hard separatism isn't so much on the agenda anymore. Well, unless you consider um, Wexit. Nah, uh, they're not going <laughs> to. I mean, that's that's a political gambit that won't come about. I mean, the the 
prairies have, uh, I think they they want to stay in. They just want their interests represented to a greater degree, I feel. Yeah. And, uh, um, but still, it's uh, it's pretty remarkable that we're back to the same arithmetic of basically the East yeah. Coast and Ontario setting the government. And yep. it will be that way again for two, three years, maybe even four. And it's, it's, it's hard to see how Trudeau comes back after that. I so. think, and it, I think it's it's more important now, more than ever, that Trudeau makes it a point to run a liberal government that's representative of everybody, and he markets that well. It goes back to our argument of how the Liberal Party needs to better its communications around their agenda. If he can, during this time and power, if he can make sure that he reaches out to Alberta, Saskatchewan, uh, BC also for that matter, and convince them that he's in it for them as much as he's in it for 905, for the Maritimes, for Quebec, I think that's what these folks are looking out for. Like They're looking for an inclusive government regardless of a divisive sort of mandate that they've gotten. Yeah. So he's got his work work sort of cut up for him. Well, they're the next four years. They're gonna have to build that pipeline to Tidewater. I mean, that's oh, that's priority number going one. to have yeah, to happen, and it's uh, um, hopefully the conservatives play ball on that if there's oh, yeah. uh, if there's support which is needed for it because the liberals aren't going to get it from the other parties yeah. in parliament. But nope. that's that's key. But I think there's also holdups south of the border in terms of the various pipelines that are still... Oh, like, yeah. Like, if even one of those, it would increase the capacity and yeah. relieve a lot of the pressure. But look, here's one, which is exclusively within Canadian jurisdiction, which... You know, we're, come on, we're having a trade dispute between BC and Alberta over this thing, which is so transparently in the national... I mean, it's bad enough that um, Energy East has effectively been shut down at this oh, it's point. Dead. It's dead. Meanwhile... You know, I, I don't know. I think it's a real problem to Western Canada when your economy is in recession and then the eastern part of the country says, no, you can't build this pipeline, and then turns around. It's not that they're not using oil. It's that they're buying it happily from Saudi. I mean, that's how, how long can you maintain a clear bargain between eastern um, Canada and the West when that's the game you're playing? I mean, this it's not tenable in the long run. Yeah, that's going to be his agenda number one. I'm, I'm very interested in seeing how he's going to get that through. Like like you guys said, it would have to be with the support of the Conservatives. But, uh, yeah, it's. It, I, I honestly don't know whether the Conservatives will bite. Um, but, yeah, it's... It I'm curious how they're going to achieve representation. Because they, they're not yeah. going to be able yeah. to nominate anyone in cabinet no. from Alberta or Saskatchewan, so... Well, and they, they've uh, resorted to the independent Senate, so right. they're not going to be able to do what um, the Conservatives did in 06 by uh, naming a, a, cabinet, a, a senator from the Montreal area yeah, in the yeah, cabinet. Right, right. Um, so it's, it's going to be really tricky. They're sure as hell not going to be able to convince anyone to cross the floor. No. That's just inconceivable. Um, but... They- yeah, I mean, it's, it's he has Anne McClellan, the Prime Minister has Anne McClellan advising him on Western issues, apparently. That's a step in the right, a step yeah. in the right direction. I mean, she's well-respected, but there's been talk of uh, him relying on Mayor Nenshi yeah. uh, more. Yeah, so she's interesting. Yeah. I, I think instead of having these tokenism approaches to make sure each of the provinces are... Are represented in my, a more tangible 
move in the right direction might be having a specific advisor in the heart specific right right, specifically targeting western interests and issues yeah well and i think there also needs to be a clear discussion of federalism and this being something which is an issue of canadian federalism um more even than it is an environmental issue in a lot of ways um and that's something which is hard to do because it inflames so many regional tendencies everywhere in the country but it's really what it is at the core and uh, it's hard to see how we don't end up discussing that yeah. that way and dealing with it that way Amarjeet so he bore the brunt oh. for uh, for a bad portfolio as well, I mean as as it is I mean, he, he he had a good run the guy the guy run, had yeah. four years he he was elected by a few dozen votes in 15 <laughs> and so Alberta yeah, good for good for him. Um, aside from him, I mean, they've they've lost a good. What was the name of the other Edmonton MP? Um, uh, I forget. Uh, he I, was he was quite an influential MP as well. Their representation in Calgary was less so by the end of it, but still, it's uh, they're they're big losses. I think the loss of Ralph Goodall oh, is going to be yeah, that's huge that's big. That's big. He survived twenty eleven, but not oh, this year. Yeah. That's uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah, well, it says a lot. Of oh, yeah, in terms of how much the the anger is. Yeah. Um, it is, yeah, it's 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 been a clean sweep. But let's talk about let's talk about the nine oh five and the place <laughs> where they've done well. Yes, um, very well. It's. I mean, I come from a different political geography altogether, wherein the voting in the province is representative of the voting in the center, as yeah. far as sentiments are concerned, and that's that's very true for a country like India, where you're voting based on a national leader rather than a provincial leader. So even if you have uh, provincial elections, if you're a supporter of Modi, you'll vote for a particular party. Sure, you're seeing uh, a momentous sort of shift in sentiment between province and federal elections, so much so that the province's premier is not even allowed to step into the light <laughs> for the lockup in, uh, in Kenora. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like thing, I mean, yeah. you would you would think that they would want to use Doug Ford after the great result that he got last year, but uh, as it turns out, that mm. was far from true. Well, I think uh, what, what's increasingly clear is that the result last year was really a, a throw the bums out, kind of punish the, the governing yeah. provincial liberals. They're quite different from the federal liberals for in a sure, lot of ways, sure. def- despite the close interaction between Wynne and, um, and uh, Trudeau yeah. at the time. Um, again, though, we're talking about reform, re- returns to form in the rest of the country. This is another one. Look at the... Again, we're in the 90s again. Yeah. Um, you know, Ontario three times in a row sent all but two of their MPs being back being liberals. Yeah. Um, Jean Chrétien, two elections in a row, won over 100 seats out of something like 103 in Ontario, which is remarkable. Um, at the same time, Ontario was electing Mike Harris provincially. So yeah. it's, you know, this isn't, this isn't new. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's suffice to say the Doug Ford effect weighed fairly heavily I, I don't think it had much effect at all. I think it was there are two dis- completely distinct votes, and people people uh, are able to separate that out. And there's a long tradition of that. Um, I think if we had a provincial election tomorrow in Ontario, the Conservatives would win probably a lot of those seats. They just got blown out of federally. Interesting. Um, Interesting. How many? Who knows? But it would be a, certainly a much different result. 
How much because people view provincial and federal right. issues differently in Ontario, and that's it's kind of always been like that. Mm. And so. how much do you think it's it's personality politics? So, if the Conservatives had run a separate leader, a different leader from say Andrew Scheer, do you think the 905 may have voted differently? Uh, and I and I say 905 partly because. Alberta and Saskatchewan would have voted conservative regardless. Mm -hmm. um, why I'm focusing on 905 is because a lot of people, where whereas they might be fiscally conservative to an extent, extent, are socially very liberal and sure could just not speak to that base with all his comments around LGBTQ rights, for instance, or uh, the separation of the church and the state. Well, or Trudeau basically yeah. tying him to those even though he himself pretty, said nothing pretty much them. pretty much yeah. actually yeah. Um, the marketing on that yeah it's own the liberals had a one shot at doing it and this is the one election that it worked and it worked yeah. it worked but if there's a round two you can't rehash these issues again but mm. to their to their benefit of their strategy it, right. it was very effective in yeah. terms of linking him to a very conservative position on social yeah. policies yeah, it, it doesn't work against every conservative leader. And look, right. liberals were saying, you know, there's a wing of the Liberal Party that for the better part of tenure was, was trying to tell us that the Stephen Harper hidden agenda was about to come out, was about to come out this time. We promise it's going to come out. It never did. We still have abortion. We still have legalized gay marriage. Like, come on. At a certain point, people just don't believe this stuff if the leader has been there long enough. It worked because Cheer is a new leader because he so obviously couldn't separate his own, like, get around his own personal views. Um, give him a few more, give him another cycle, give Trudeau more time to make mistakes, people might overlook that, who knows? So in the case of Andrew Scheer, do we think he's going to get another kick at the can? Oh boy. Well, we have Eddie joining us now. So Eddie, why don't you take the first, uh, the first go at this one? I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot to say about the, this was Scheer's election to lose, and... I think definitely um, he did. Um, he didn't win the major seat that he wanted to, but he did make a lot of gains in the western part of the country. Um, and I think there was. I think, and a lot of commentators were saying this. I think there was not enough in their platform to support climate change. Um, there was not in their platform to counter against say, the impact of uh, the Ford government in Ontario as well. Um, and there was not enough in Quebec, for example, in order to try and buy votes there. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, Quebec is a separate issue, but um, I think where they needed to make gains was in Toronto, where it went fully red. I don't know when was the last time we had fully red uh, liberal, um, but Ontario was a heat spot and out east. Um, I think he'll definitely get another kick of the can. There's a lot of hoopla about um, Peter McKay jumping in, um, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I'm guessing they're going to give him another shot at this, and he will have to work very strategically, um, aligning himself with some of the other opposition parties to try and make this government look as if it is inadequate. It's not the government to govern, and they should be given the full mandate um, to set the agenda. I'm not too sure. I don't. This no. isn't 2004 where Stephen Harper is heating up a new party. They just finished linking up two different parties to create the new mm -hmm. CPC. This is 2019. Mm -hmm. This party has a track record. 
and he did not meet expectations. Well, and Andrew Shear is no Stephen Harper. No, let's let's no, face I think that we can too. All agree on that. Yeah. Um, but the, the other thing, though, is that I don't know how dependent this is on on leadership. Because even if you wanted, if you, even if you had a leader like Elisa Raitt, for example, mm-hmm. who wanted to come up, or Patrick Brown provincially in Ontario a while ago, who wanted to come up with more stringent environmental policies and maybe talk about the idea of carbon pricing in some form. I don't think the base would let them. Um, the party base is very much decided on where it is on these issues, and they're the ones picking the leader. They're the ones who are pushing the uh, the, the policy agenda on the platform and all the rest of it. They're the ones who are um, talking to the conservative MPs who are going home at the weekend. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say how a new leader gets buy-in for those policies, I think, um, without real losses clearly because of them in an election which would otherwise be winnable and you didn't have those kind of losses this time even though they underperformed mm. um so i think there will be a conversation um but even if she is replaced i don't think that really solves the bigger problem within the conservative exactly. party which is really the base politics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they, they didn't have, have an amazing base that will turn out for them they do but their upside is capped yes uh, at least with their current yeah. approach yeah. I think they had fundraised, even before the election, they had fundraised the most compared yeah. to the other parties as well. Mm-hmm. So definitely this was their election to lose. And why they lost it was also if you, if there are any polls that come out, I think people did not have any confidence in any of the leaders. And I think that's also why we have this kind of minority government. Yeah. And they really have to position themselves as a, gov- as a party that is in government in waiting and it's able to push through uh, essential policies that resonate with the populace, and I don't think the leader currently like, signals that. The party yeah. may have, but they don't have the leader that signals that. So that may be a more a personality shift or character, a more a, a change in how Andrew Scheer presents himself, and that may also have a whole lot of other questions, or if they do change, they need a person who's willing to showcase that. Yeah. Now, you, you don't... He's... he's done a big game since the election of kind of uh, calling himself the Prime Minister in waiting mm-hmm. and signaling that if you're the Prime Minister in waiting you don't call yourself the Prime Minister in waiting you don't have to do that I mean it's a, you, you, you signal that you are a serious Prime, Stephen Harper never did that when he was the leader of the opposition you signal that you're you're serious on the policy that you're in charge of your party um, and Sheer can do neither of those things now so a surgeon never comes out and tells you at dinner that I am a surgeon. I can operate on you. <laughs> exactly. will, you know, unless the immediacy comes, right? but no one who's competent will never say that. Yeah, I think there's a bigger discussion to be had around how the politics in Canada have shaped out clearly post this election, and what would have been a con- what would have con- a conservative majority government been like in a different scenario if we had a conservative government, given the mandate that they were running with the with the um, now, Andrew Scheer as the Prime Minister, what would have been those policies, right? Because it goes back to what we we're talking about, and which is the West conservative wave versus the East sort of liberal wave. And if this is what's going to be the deciding factor, even in years to come, then you're seeing a very big divide in terms of how people think in the East of Canada versus the West of Canada. Yes. And it then becomes a problem for either of these two parties to put out an agenda that resonates with everybody. So the conservatives will, uh, to, to your point, Chris, I mean, they're, they're, 
they're pretty capped out on on their on their upper base like they're they're not making as significant gains primarily because they're not being able to run an agenda that resonates with people mm-hmm. uh, aside from their ground race and similarly for the liberals they they seem to have lost out on Quebec and they've obviously lost out in the west mm-hmm. altogether because their agenda doesn't resonate with 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 the west of Canada but it resonates with the more sort of liberal part of Canada now the question then is if you were to take away the fringe votes if you were to take away strategic voting the liberals wouldn't have gotten the kind of votes that they did oh for sure right yeah. oh they yeah. they never yeah. would though i mean they always they always sort of play this game with that yeah. so so if a government really wants if a party really wants to run a majority government and it wants to rule canada uh, unanimously with with representation from east to the west what's the kind of platform they would have to run I mean, it's really hard to say. Also, because that's something which so rarely happens. Yeah. Yeah. The closest we've been to that recently um, was actually Stephen Harper. Maybe okay, it was probably Justin Trudeau circa 2015, and then that right. didn't pan out so well in his re-election. Right. Um, Stephen Harper came close, although he was almost shut out of Quebec in his majority. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I mean, most of the time the country is pretty divided between East and West and always has been to a large extent. Uh, the most recent example of a really national government was um, probably Brian Mulroney in 84, and that was an exceptional wave um, against almost decades of liberal government with a brief interruption. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a combination of a compelling leader, a coherent message, um, and frankly, just luck against a bad incumbent. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless you have all those things, uh, someone who doesn't, as we were saying earlier, someone who doesn't talk like he's just walked out of a focus group, um, I mean, you're not going to get anywhere, I don't think. So I think it's suffice to say we are all very deeply disillusioned with (laughs) this particular campaign. Well, there was no leadership on offer, none, uh, from any of the parties, yeah. I I had an ex-liberal staffer who may or may not return back to Ottawa say that and, and I'm not going to name the staffer for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. but saying that we didn't deserve to win this election. There was no... Had had we come out with a majority government, we would have been shocked. He says, and the only reason we won is because Andrew Scheer was our opposition. Yeah. He says, that's hands down, that's the reason. And it also sort of goes back to a story that I was telling before we started recording, and it was around how the Liberals underestimated the threat of Bloc Quebecois in Quebec. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, a year and a half back, according to stories, uh, one of the political staffers got up in, in, a, in a Liberal meeting saying that we need to focus on the BQ in Quebec. That's where the real threat lies to our majority government and not from the Conservatives. The Conservatives will get what they've always got, but we will end up losing Quebec as, a, as if we don't focus on it. And we sort of see what's happened on that front. Nobody took that person seriously. But could we also say that part of the reason for this minority is that the liberal government for the last four years has governed more on optics, marketing, Mm -hmm. and less so on policy. And bad marketing at that. The thing is, though, they've had some, they have had, I I agree with you to an extent. I think they've really played up a lot of the optics side. But they have had some really good policy yeah. wins, but too. But what, like, I mean, like, which ones are? 800,000 so, kids out of yeah. poverty. Well, that's the biggest one, yeah. yeah. The Canada Child Benefit is a huge one. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can argue that despite all the India gaffes and whatnot, um, yeah. 
they've handled foreign policy really well. well. Granted, no one ever votes on that, but they've they managed to stand up for Canadian interests um, against uh, Very the yeah. most challenging U.S. administration we've sure. ever faced. For sure. um, they've managed to hold their own, like they've managed to balance um, improving relations with China earlier in their term while still maintaining a hard line where it matters mm-hmm. uh, regarding Meng Wanzhou and a lot of the more recent issues. Mm-hmm. There are issues there, but still. Um, you know, on health spending to the provinces, they've been pretty good. I mean, they, there's any number of ways they could have run a strong affirmative case for um, for their policy record, but they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this 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 also goes back to the leader. Yeah. Um, Trudeau just is that kind of leader. I mean, just as um, he's an optics guy. Yeah, he's an optics guy. I mean, no one no one has ever made the case for him as leader that he's the one coming up with policy ideas in the background. There, mm-hmm. it's not. It's that's not his role. I would even go as far as to argue that the marketing side of the campaign wasn't as great. No, oh, sure. absolutely not. So, no, I mean, no. even if he's an optics guy, he hasn't done a very great job of being optically good. No. So yeah. to say, right? In, in quotation marks. Because at the end of the day, as in we keep on reading in the news, there's a recession coming. Um, right. What are we doing? What is the government doing in trying to help like boost that trade? Mm-hmm. Like boost create jobs as well. Like Stephen yeah. Harper had the CEDA agreement with Europe as well. Right. And that was really well marketed, right? The mm-hmm. um, I hate to say this, but there were those, like, back in the day, there were those, like, really uh, road signs, right? A- Canada Action Plan. Canada Action we Plan, yeah. Like, the Liberal government needs something <laughs> oh like that to God. show, like, their yeah. jobs, right? Yeah, it's you know, sad it's to say. It's sad to say, but then that worked because people see it. They see, mm-hmm. like, people are being hired. Like, you get the tax rebates. What are we doing for healthcare? That farmer care, they really need to, like, post it up. They need to, like, position them, the conservatives as an enemy to your healthcare. As well, an enemy to help. They really need to work on like mom and pop issues at the end of the day. Because like the international policy arena, that's really good and said, like it's really mm-hmm. important. But at the end of the day, even when you go you doing knocking on doors, yeah. people are asking, You took away my transit right, credit, right? right? The small things like my bill my expenses are going up, my bills aren't like my income isn't like coming to terms. What are we doing? Yeah. No, that's that's very fair. The question is, what yeah. have you done for my house? Pretty much, like, well, where do I stand in the whole? And I and and like Alex said, there's a lot that's been, there's a significant amount that's been done. Let's say that, but it, it's not out there as visible as it should be. Yeah. Right. SNC Lavalin, for instance, is far more visible mm-hmm. than uh, than the child benefit uh, yeah. policy on for that matter. Uh, the the huge bungle with Huawei, where Canada. For anybody who knows international law, it doesn't really have too much of a choice there. Yeah. No, uh, not at all. <laughs> but but people seem to think that the liberal government has turned off uh, the Asian community in Canada and has turned turned its back on them, right? I mean, these these are issues that are optically bad for reasons that are not really in control of the liberal government, True. and they need to be backed by uh, alternative good policies mm. that these people have really pushed for, right? Uh, so yeah, to to your point, I mean, probably it's time to go back to those banners. And you got to yeah. stay off that Hasan Minaj show. Whatever you do, <laughs> you got to stay off that show because you're if you're an optics guy, then you better know who the leader of Afghanistan is. Or yeah, at least 
know your files, man. Know your files. I mean, come on. That was that was entirely avoidable. That's things like that which have really cost Trudeau in the past four years. But I'm saying, in life, there are always going to be those opportunities where it will give you a scare and remind you of what's important. And mm-hmm. like to, this is an opportunity for the Liberal government to take the reins and course correct. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, and hopefully they see that. Course correct and actually govern. Right. Mm-hmm. This is not a party. This is a. I would, yes. I would like to think that uh, he's going to learn from this and maybe four years down the line we're still sitting around and talking about how Trudeau's turned a new leaf. <laughs> yeah. Time will tell. Time will tell.